All right, welcome in, Outsiders. Let me talk to you. Little LA Knight reference, I got the shirt on. I know he's hosting a Mets game, Ben's Mets, whatever that means, how you host a baseball game. But this is a football podcast. We're going to talk football. Ben Mandel back with us here on the Outsider Sports Football Show. Corey Jason, Dylan Mel, I'm Ryan Balliot. It is Tuesday, August 8th. The NFL Hall of Fame game is behind us. It's in the rearview mirror. Preseason football, more of that coming this weekend. The Jets and Browns. We saw Zach Wilson. We saw some other backups. But we're going to talk about those Browns later today in the AFC North deep dive. Last week, we covered the NFC North. We're over in the AFC today. So we're going to talk that whole division. Some news to go over. But first, I saw it out on Twitter. And with the season right here, nothing gets you more hyped up than the intro songs, depending on what channel you're watching a game on. So the quick question today, guys, between Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, Fox and CBS, which of those theme songs do you like the most and gets you hyped up the most for the game you're about to watch? I feel like I have a clear-cut bottom on this. So I'm going to start from the top because really I feel like the top three are interchangeable. I'm going to go number one NFL on Fox. I don't know what it is about it. Seeing the robot dancing on the screen, something about it. It just gets me fired up. Love the Fox theme song. Two, I'm going Sunday Night Football. There's just something about those games growing up. It's so nostalgic sitting on the couch. It was the one night I got to stay up past my bedtime so I could watch the whole game. You know, I, I just love Sunday Night Football. A lot of good memories with that. Number three, I'm going Monday Night Football. I think Monday Night Football is one of those that, you know, it it hits hard. It's, you know, it's ESPN Monday Night Something about it, again, it's it's a lot like Sunday Night Football where you just have a lot of good memories with it. You know, watching football as a kid, those were the games you really looked forward to, especially Monday. You go to school, all your friends are talking about it. It's just one of those that hits. The bottom, it's CBS. I don't know. I just don't like it. It's It doesn't get the job done for me. And it's kind of not fair, and it might be for this reason, and it's because if I had to pick a number one football theme song it's college football on cbs love it it's where i get to see my georgia bulldogs all the time it's my favorite love that one that would be my number one but cbs's nfl theme song not a fan yeah ben me and you actually have the exact same rankings on this which for you know fourth wall breaking purposes we purposely did not disclose any information here and you know i think you know, we'll see how it plays out for the rest of the people here. But I think we might have a little NFC East bias with Fox News at the top and CBS at the bottom. I'm wondering if that plays into it. I almost went Sunday Night Football over Fox just because the it's Sunday Night Football game of the week typically. But, you know, Joe Buck says that the 425 game on Fox is America's game of the week. So, well, used to used to. Used yeah, to. yeah. Well, for me, you know, again, we didn't discuss this beforehand. And what we what I did say before, and I'm going to say it again, Ben, I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like there's a clear cut one, two, three, and four, right? I don't think you can interchange them. I think it's just a clear order of what is the best, what is next, all the way down to the bottom. And it is the same exact rankings as you guys. Fox, <laughs> Sunday night, Sunday night, CBS. I don't know what it is. We didn't discuss this at all. We didn't, we purposely just kept it to ourselves to surprise each other and have some, you know, good free flowing discussion. Right. And, you know, again, fan to the NFC East, Giants, Eagles, 
you get that Fox bias, but also like, is it really bias if it's that much better? Like CBS is slacking, right? Monday night football, it's good, but it's not as iconic as Sunday night. It doesn't get you like, you know, long day of football watching Red Zone, right? Then you hear the one standalone Sunday night game, that intro music, you know what's happening. You know it's the best night. You hear Carrie Underwood start to go after that, right? You know what's going on. And then Fox is just, it's got the best intro. That's how you want to start every Sunday for the rest of your life, hearing that intro music, right? So, Ryan, I'm interested to hear yours as the lone AFC uh, rep, but uh, it's pretty funny that the three of us all had the same list. Yeah, if you could tell by my reactions, I I do have something different. I have Sunday night football as the best. That's the only one I sometimes find myself humming as I'm walking around my house throughout the day, like randomly in April, I'm humming that. Like that's one that I just absolutely love. I do actually have Fox at two. Um, I will say two. the, like I'll turn Fox on at like 12. Cause I love that group, like Bradshaw and, uh, and those guys straight hand prior to the game. I like those guys that crew a lot talking about the games and then watching like Eagles giants at one o'clock and then like Packers Cowboys at four. It's just better football. I'll admit I'm not I'm not watching the Browns and Jets at one o'clock on a Sunday. I'm just not doing it. Um, and, and <laughs> obviously living here in Pennsylvania, I don't get the Colts on television anyway. So it's not like I'm watching that over my team. Either. Do you get like who's your local market team? It's, it's Eagles Steelers. Yeah. Eagles Steelers, Eagle Giants, Steelers? Jets. Yeah. Oh, so like the Giants and Jets make it out to you? Yeah. Yeah, but the Eagles trump the Giants and the Steelers trump the Jets. Yeah, yeah but since this year, the Eagles play like all those four o'clock games. I was going to say, even like when I was out there, there wasn't really too much conflict. I always got the Giants games out there. Yeah, yeah that's good. I mean, I've never left Giants-Jets territory, so. Yeah. But I have CBS in third, and then, I don't know, Monday night last, I think Monday night took a real – I think their commentary issues kind of kill though, because I hear the Monday oh, Night there. Football theme now, and I think of their the comment. I can't even remember Dib? their names. Not no after Sergio Dip. He's <laughs> don't disrespect the goat. Booger. The Booger Mobile. I love the Booger Mobile. <laughs> the chaos that it caused was awesome. I'm talking about it was like Reddick, and I don't even remember the other guy's name. Like pandemic era. I mean, was it Jason Witten? Was it? Terrible. No, it wasn't. I cannot no, remember the guy's name. No, it was Joe. Uh, it was like Tessitore or something. I right? think that. Yeah, I think so. so I, 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 like, I watch the Manning Cast now. That's my Monday night go-to. I was gonna say everyone I know watches the Manning Cast. I pull it up on my phone off to the side on mute, and I'm usually doing something else because the Monday night games. I don't know. They've been slacking, in my opinion, anyway. But so not too different from you guys. I just kind of took one and two and swapped them and three and four and swapped them. But let's get into the news that matters here. Yannick and Gogway signed a one year, ten and a half million dollar deal with the bears. I loved them on the Colts last year. I thought getting him one for one with Rocky sin, a player Ben knows I never wanted the Colts to draft. That was when we were roommates back in the day. I knew it was going to happen. It happened and I was still mad. So to get <laughs> a true pass rusher, like in Gogway, I thought was awesome. He played pretty good for us, but off he goes to rejoin, or I guess, no, he didn't uh, with Eberflus there, but um, Eberflus pucks another guy from the Colts, even though he didn't coach him there, but Ngagwe goes to the Bears, and we talked about, at least Corey was here for the show last week, NFC North, so Corey, give me your perspective. Does that move the Bears up at all for you over, I don't even remember, did you have them over Green Bay already, or 
No, they were they were in last place, and this just makes them you know, slightly better compared to the Packers. Maybe they could overtake the Packers with this. I still don't think so. I think the Packers are being pretty slept on. To you know, the more I think about it, the more I you know look at camp. I still don't think my uh, my rankings change. You know, Vikings, Lions, Packers, Bears. Ngakwe's a great get for the Bears, but I just unless Justin Fields has a Jalen Hurts type leap in the, in the, the season, the Bears still are going to be basement dwellers. I'm not really in love with how that team is built, and I just don't think Justin Fields can get it done. So it doesn't matter who you add on defense if your offense isn't going to be able to get it done and score points. Yeah, fair enough. So let's move on. A couple notes on running backs around the league. We know the current landscape of the running back market, but Alvin Kamara suspended for three games. The hammer finally came down. We didn't know what it was going to be. I heard a lot of discourse about it, especially in terms of fantasy football. Obviously, that's, you know, Kamara has been one of the top names in fantasy football for the past couple of years. And they went out, the uh, Saints did, and got Jamal Williams this year. They drafted Kendra Miller. Earlier today, they were supposed to sign Kareem Hunt, but now he might be on his way to Indianapolis. <laughs> so we'll we'll continue to uh, watch that situation as it plays out. But for right now, Kareem Hunt not joining the Saints. Alvin Kamara suspended for three games. And Dalvin Cook's still out there. He's the one I really want to talk about here because he was at Jets practice, and I'm sure we'll see that. I believe Hard Knocks, the first episode of that debuts tonight. So um, I don't know if he'll be in that first episode or not or at all, but it looked like he was going to join the Jets. Now he's rumored to uh, be visiting the Patriots and the Dolphins for the past month were the favorite to sign him. So, I mean, do you guys think Dalvin Cook signs anywhere prior to the season starting? Yeah, so I have uh, pretty good sources on this. Uh, I know somebody that knows Dalvin Cook's agent, and the, the agent for about a month and a half now has basically been saying that it's going to be the Jets. Before the Jets were even circulating in the news, when it was mostly Dolphins talk, um, and he wasn't even fully cut from the Vikings yet, what I was hearing was Jets. Then the Jets hype train started rolling more, and I'm not sure if something fell through at that point, but from what I've been told, nothing's changed. Maybe he just wants to go see if somebody else will give him more money um, or longer contract, more security. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers didn't take the pay cut on all that money for no reason. He wants them to go get guys. Dalvin Cook could very well be one of those guys, former NFC North running me. Look, I think that, you know, I agree. I think it's the Jets, and I think what Dalvin Cook is doing is trying to just draw up more interest from other teams just so that way he can try and have some leverage in negotiations. I mean, why would the Jets pay him more than they have to and give him term? As of right now, if you don't see another contract offer to Dalvin Cook, I'm not offering him more than a year. And you know what? If he goes out and proves himself great, but you're really bringing him in just so that way Brees Hall doesn't have to shoulder a full load this year. And I don't think he has to. They have some talented guys there. I don't really think the Jets need Dalvin Cook as much as Dalvin Cook needs the Jets at this point because I'm not too sure there is another team willing to pay him to play. Spot on there, Ben. They got Brees Hall coming back and Michael Carter and Abanacanda. Sorry, Carl, I just really wanted to say that name. Go ahead. Abanacanda? Yeah. Don't worry because – Dalvin Cook's not going to join them. He's going to be the one that derails the A-chain, A-train, right? He's going to go to Miami. He's going to take over RB1 duties down there. No state income tax, right? 
That's why everybody wants Miami. That's why they want Florida. That's where he's going to head down. He's been playing Miami this whole time. He just wants them to give him the money. And you know what? Bill Belichick's not reaching into the pocket. I don't think I don't think the Jets are either. I think Miami's where he's going to end up being, and that's where he's always wanted to. No, no shade of Dylan's uh, source or anything. Just I really think that's fit to get the most out of his playing time and the most out of his money. Yeah, I mean, we could just sit back and watch there. Dalvin, you know, has proven to be a good receiving threat previously, as has Brees Hall. So I feel like there's definitely two running back sets in New York, especially when you, you know, we're not going to deep dive into them here. But after Garrett Wilson, there's not a real true target dominant player. We'll talk plenty of Jets in the coming weeks. But for now, let's go into the AFC North. The Jets face the Browns. We'll get to them at the end. Let's start with the Bengals. They were 12 and four last year. Only 16 games, obviously, because the uh, game against Buffalo ruled a no contest with uh, DeMar Hamlin and all that. So 12-4 and four was their record. They won the division. Going into this year, projected win total over under 11.5. So right there with where they've been. They were in the Super Bowl two years ago, AFC Championship last year. They bring back Joe Mixon. Uh, he took a pay cut to remain with the Bengals figured, look, I see what's going on with the rest of these running backs. I'll stay right here in this cozy situation. Uh, But that cozy situation, Joe Burrow, the calf strain injury, we'll see if he's ready to go full speed for week one or if he has to sit out a few weeks there at the start. But the Bengals, right, they have to be the favorites still in this division. Yeah, they definitely are. I think Cincinnati is definitely right where they were last year. There's no reason to believe that this Bengals team is not going to win this division. I understand that the rest of the division is good. I think you're going to have four competitive teams in this division. But in reality, I don't see anybody challenging them. I think as long as Joe Burrow is healthy and is able to stay healthy, even if he misses the first couple of games, this is a team that can go out there and win 11, 12 games this year. And here's what I'll say on that. I do hear where you're coming from that the Bengals should be favorited. But if Joe Burrow has to miss three or four weeks of the season, we know what Lamar Jackson can do when healthy in the regular season. He wins games at about a 75% clip. You know, I think that ultimately a healthy Cincinnati is more of a threat to win a Super Bowl than a healthy Baltimore. But if you give Baltimore, you know, a month advantage with Cincinnati, the backup quarterback, they play in that month. Perhaps you get a tiebreaker. You know, they could definitely make some noise and make Cincinnati a wild card team if Joe Burrow has to miss an extended period of time. Well, yeah, and look, an extended period of time is definitely going to be more. that That's him going on the pop list, right? So I, I don't – I see him maybe, if anything, missing one or two games from what I'm hearing. It sounds like Joe Burrow's all right. There's no reason to, to think that he's going to miss four games or end up on the pop list to start the season. And, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the Ravens a little bit later, but I am just going to say if you're going to take Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow away from these two teams, which one's better fit to win games? Yeah, and that matchup, ravens Bengals, the first one is week two. So even if Joe Burrow were to miss two games, you know, there's a potential tiebreaker right there that I don't want to just rule Baltimore out if they stay healthy. Uh, yeah, I think uh, if Burrow misses more than two weeks, but those first two weeks still, Browns week one, Ravens week two, those are division rivals that really all are competing, you know, all have a chance to take that title. There's no, there's no team in that division you can write out. So if Burrow misses, you know, Let's say he does miss four or five games like Jamar Chase is telling him to. 
right? Because those issues that he has in his leg, you know, he, he lucked out that it wasn't an ACL, MCL tear, right? But those can still linger. He might tweak it still, and it might be something that really bothers him throughout the season. So giving him, you know, you know, if he misses a couple games, the Bengals are going to be in a fight for it. So it's going to be tough. You know, the, Mixon, it's probably his last year with them, right? I don't love their uh, their defense still. I don't think their offensive line is getting much better. They've always had a suspect O-line. It's miles better than uh, Burrow's uh, rookie year when he died, right? So it's still not great. Even when they went to the Super Bowl, it was with one of the league's worst offensive lines. So it's just going to be tough for the Bengals to keep replicating success if other parts of the game outside of the Burrow and receiver uh, you know, connection really uh, goes off. You got Irv Smith at tight end now. He's somebody who's been a fantasy darling the last couple of years. He's never been able to put it together. I know I was on the Herb Smith train a couple of years and he just never played. So he's somebody that, you know, could help with the quarterback. But again, the defense and the O-line really need to step up if Burrow misses any time. But if he doesn't, or even if he only misses a couple of games, the Bengals should still be in the thick of it. Yeah. And they have Trevor Simeon as a backup and, you know, for what it's worth, he's an okay game manager for a team with that good of a roster. You got to wonder if Joe Burrow kind of rushes back or the Bengals feel some kind of pressure that this has got to be the year. Joe Burrow extension coming up, likely Mixon's last year. T. Higgins, you have to pay him now. A lot of decisions to be made in Cincinnati after this year. Yeah, I'm sure the Bengals staying focused on this season. And I think despite the deficiencies Corey pointed out, offensive line, less than stellar defense, kind of suspect at different levels. They've been able to remain in a very competitive spot in the NFL landscape these last couple of years. And I think they continue that. I think their floor, I mean, really is second place in this division. I think, you know, we're going to move, we're going to talk about Baltimore here now. They're the team that I could see leapfrogging Cincinnati to win this division. They've always been a good running team, a great defensive team. uh, And they give their offensive facelift. They bring in former giant, uh, legend Odell Beckham. We'll see what he has left in the tank. They had who I think could be, you know, of the rookie receivers taken in the first round. The most intriguing to me is Zay Flowers because he has the only opportunity of those, uh, what, four guys to come in and end up being the wide receiver one. Maybe Odell doesn't have what it takes anymore. Rashad Bateman has lingering injury concerns. So Quinn Johnson, barring injury, he's not going to outlast Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Jordan Addison, as long as Justin Jefferson's alive, isn't going to be wide receiver one there. So Zay Flowers, I'm interested to see how he gets worked into this offense. But the biggest addition is probably Todd Munkin. Uh, offensive coordinator, he was with the Bucks numerous years ago, but the pace of play on this offense is going to be through the roof. They're going to pass the ball a lot more. I'm a big Lamar Jackson defender. We talked about on the quarterback ranking show back in May. I have him as the third best quarterback in the league behind only Mahomes and Burrow. So while I don't have him as the best quarterback in this division because of Burrow, I'm a huge Lamar guy. I think he's going to throw the ball great. I think he'll be an MVP candidate. But where do you guys see Baltimore this year? You know, for Baltimore, I put him in a similar – I put Lamar Jackson in a similar position to Justin Herbert where, you know, yeah, you know, you could be arguably a top-five quarterback in the league, but you're not the best in your division. And 
it's tough to swallow that pill when you're that guy and you're that team in that position. Now you bring up Todd Monken. I, as a Georgia fan, I have to say, I loved, loved the Georgia offense under Todd Monken. Here's my concern. Ask Matt rule how it went taking the big hot offensive coordinator from college when he took uh, Brady from LSU after Joe Burrow's year at LSU. It's not, I know Munkin has some more success. He has an actual NFL track record, uh, and he had more steady success with Georgia and with Stetson Bennett as his quarterback. But I don't necessarily love when successful coaches and coordinators in college come up and make the jump. And, you know, I have to see it to believe it. And when it comes to Baltimore, I have been saying for the last five years that this team is going to win the division. This is the year they are going to win the division this year. And every year they let me down. Now, there have been a few times where they haven't, but I've been saying this is a team that could go undefeated. That's how good they are. And they just have never met my expectations. I'm not picking them to dethrone Cincinnati do they have the talent yes if Joe Burrow's dealing with a multi-week injury that's going to stretch past week two yes Baltimore's got a shot to definitely overtake them but if you have a healthy Joe Burrow I just I cannot continue to think that this Baltimore team is capable of winning the division when they've shown me repeatedly that they haven't been able to bringing in Todd Munkin's not going to change that yeah I think the Ravens Ben you're kind of saying it They've never really shown that they can actually pull off and win that division, right? When was the last time Lamar even played a fully healthy season? He seems to have had his, his issues outside of that one really great year. What is it? Was that his rookie year or year two? Year Either two, way. and that was when right. they won when he won the MVP is when they won. Right. I think that was when that was they a, won the division. Right. But outside that, you know, he's had his issues. Did he uh, you know, go number two in his pants or not? We'll we'll never know when he ran off into the uh, the tunnel. But uh, Lamar has never been sh- able to win that big game. Even in that MVP season, he kind of flamed out in the playoffs. I love Lamar. Lamar is a fantastic quarterback. But, you know, he's lying. He's relying on Odell, who, you know, started coming back with the Rams and had that devastating injury in the Super Bowl. So Odell's coming off of a pretty bad injury. Hasn't played in over a year. And I love Odell, future giant, again, uh, he's Zay Flowers, you know, a rookie, right? Plus, he's got you know running a running back committee that. What do you really make of them? Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, guys that are good, but they've never been able to put it together. Does Lamar kind of cut out the running now that he's got that big deal to kind of preserve himself so he can win in the future? Baltimore's going to be a playoff team or at least competitive as one. They could win the division. I don't know if they do. But I think they're definitely going to be a wild card team at the very worst because the talent is undeniable. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't go into this thinking I'd be the highest one on Baltimore, but here I am kind of finding myself wanting to build more of a case for them. I think this offense needed a extreme change of pace. I think Ravens fans have been harping on that for years now. They're going to get it. It's going to be sped up now. Lamar Jackson, you know, we say he didn't play a full year last year. And while on paper, that's true. I think a lot of us know that Lamar had fully earned his extension and said, I'm not going to risk any re-injury and mess up my money. And 
you know, that caused a huge debate because his team was in a position to win with a backup quarterback. They almost beat a team that went to the AFC championship. So if they'd had Lamar, what could have happened last year? I'm sure that's a sour taste in Ravens fans' minds. Then they upgraded that same receiving core, Rashad Bateman. He could be healthy for this year. Zay Flowers, you know, was getting comps all the way up to Tyreek Hill. Now, I'm not saying that that's my expectation for him, but that wasn't my expectation for Tyreek Hill either. And we talk about their weapons. We can't leave out Mark Andrews, the number one target for Lamar Jackson. This guy is an absolute stud. I think J.K. Dobbins is due for a bounce back year, two years removed now from the ACL-MCL injury. This is a guy who, when healthy, averages six yards per carry in the NFL. And last year, they had a top-five defense. There's a huge case for Baltimore here. It's just, can you win those head-to-head games against Joe Burrow? You haven't, you know, shown that you can. And really, we all seem to agree that they're going to be a playoff team for Baltimore, whether it's winning the division or in the wild card. They're looking for playoff success now that they paid their quarterback. Yeah, the biggest question is just can they stay healthy? I mean, J.K. Dobbins was running on one leg basically last year, and the Rashad Bateman case is one to continue to watch. But for Baltimore, like you said, Ravens fans clamoring for a change in offense. I know right in the same division, Pittsburgh fans, they want Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, fired. Uh, despite that, the Steelers found a way to go 9-8 and eight last year, yet to have a losing season under Mike Tomlin. Uh, odds here at 8.5 wins. Look, I think the Steelers had one of the best drafts this past season. Uh, they took uh, Ben's Georgia guy on the offensive line. Roger Jones, another Georgia guy, one of my favorite prospects the entire draft, Darnell Washington. And I don't know if you guys have been hearing this, but Darnell Washington is bodying TJ Watt in practice in like one-on-one blocking drills. I'm going to tell you flat out right now, I'm not surprised. I mean, this guy is an absolute massive human being. I mean, I've been watching him for years now. The last three years at Georgia. I mean, I don't know how, like, if it weren't for Brock Bowers, I, this guy would have been an All-American and probably a top 20 draft pick with his size. I know tight end is not one of those positions, but this guy, uh, Brock Bowers is going to be, you'll, you'll remember the name next year if you don't know it already, that, like, this is a ridiculously, ridiculously talented and athletic human in Darnell Washington I am not surprised at all that he's bodying TJ Watt. Yeah, but Joey Porter Jr. too in that draft class. And like the Steelers, they mm-hmm. knew where they were weak. They addressed those positions, offensive line, secondary. They bring in Patrick Peterson as well, too. If anything, he'll be a good mentor for their younger guys and the glue that holds them together. But something is just still holding Pittsburgh back. And I think it's the most important position. I mean, I, I don't think it's up for debate here the fourth best quarterback in this division is Kenny Pickett. Am I crazy for saying that? And it's, it's by far. So. Yeah. But look at the quarterbacks in this division and yeah, you know, say what you want about Deshaun Watson. If we're expecting Deshaun Watson to, you know, have shaken off the rust from last year, full season actually gets a training camp, actually gets to be on the team facility. You know, maybe he is like pretty good. This is, there are a lot of good quarterbacks in this, in this division, and that's why all of these teams have a shot, in my opinion. Yeah, Kenny Pickett may be the worst of the bunch, but his supporting cast around him is really good as well. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm attacking Kenny Pickett here, but that's what I wanted to get to was 
you know, outside of the Bengals receiver room, this might be the best supporting cast, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You got best pass rusher, TJ Watt, best safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. That's debatable, but they're certainly up there. And George Pickens is, I mean, we all know the the famous draft picture of him looking at the TV with that pose. So we know what he's about. Deontay Johnson didn't score a touchdown last year. Doubt that happens again. Najee Harris is awesome. Like I said, Darnell Washington, but they got Fryermuth as well. So the expectation yeah. is they'll be around that 500 record again. But do you guys see them being that much lower than that or any higher than that for Pittsburgh this year? I think it's right around that spot. I think this is a team that, you know, they're going to steal some games, but they're also playing in a tough division where I think maybe they win two games at most. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh covers around the same spot. Listen, the quality of playmakers on their team just doesn't compare to the rest. When you look for a great running back in this division, you look at Nick Chubb. Great quarterback playmaker, you're looking at Lamar. Great wide receiver playmaker, you're looking at Chase and Higgins. This team just isn't quite there when it comes to offensive talent with the other teams. Yes, their defense is good, but so are the other teams in this division. It is a loaded, loaded division. Kenny Pickett would have to take a massive leap to really elevate the Steelers to compete. I do think they'll hover around that 500 area. Knowing Mike Tomlin, they'll 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 get there somehow, some way. They'll figure it out, but I don't view them as a serious contender to win this division. Is it possible that the last place team has a winning record? This just might be the best, most underrated top to bottom division of football next year. And I feel like that storyline is kind of going under the radar. I think the Steelers are clearly the worst team in the division. At least that's my opinion. And, you know, they're not a bad team at all. They could still be competitive for a wild card spot, that final wild card, right? I think they do fall under 500 for the first time in Tomlin's career. But that's with eight wins. I don't even think seven is going to happen. I think if they do fall under 500, it's going to be that eight and nine, you know, that eight and nine spot. And it's going to suck for him because eight wins should be a pretty uh, even draw, right? So the Steelers pick it, not great, but their defense and coaching, they have, I think they have the best coach in all of football, to be honest. So that'll keep them in a lot of games. I don't know if the talent can get them over that hump, but. Coaching will win you a lot. All right, last team to talk about here today. The Cleveland Browns, they went all in with the Deshaun Watson trade. We know what that is all about in his fully guaranteed contract. He came back from the 10-game suspension last year, and this offense that looked somewhat promising with Jacoby Brissett just absolutely came to a standstill. It was ugly to watch. Now he has a full offseason with the team, ready to go. Nick Chubb is still there. He's awesome. They got Miles Garrett some other great defensive pieces, a really sturdy offensive line. So I guess it all comes down to what Deshaun Watson are we going to get? Are we going to get the 2020 and prior Deshaun Watson, or has has all that time and all those distractions just been too much for Watson? I think this is a reset. This is a guy who's going to come back. I, you know, everything that's happened he's a, he's been able to get back on the field and he's been able to get his feet wet again again i think it's really overlooked missing a training camp and missing all that time with your team i mean you missed three quarters of the season your head's not going to be in it i think deshaun watson bounces back and we're going to see the gamer that we saw not only come back and get to the national championship but then beat alabama after losing to them the year before Yeah, I'm real excited to see what the Browns look like this year with Deshaun Watson. And when it comes to betting, am I going to bet that 
the guy that I saw for a six game sample size at the end of the season when they kind of knew that it was a wraps and he was still learning the offense, didn't have full time, whatever emotions were possibly going through his brain through those games. Or am I to believe that it's the guy that we saw for all those years before that, that won national titles, that had a 24 nothing lead on Patrick Mahomes in his house in a playoff game and took the Texans, an organization that look at how we talk about them now, to multiple playoff appearances. Deshaun Watson's going to be good again. He still has Amari Cooper there, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, Nick Chubb. There's some really, really good pieces there, and they're built well in the trenches. They have a top-five offensive line. They have Miles Garrett. They have Denzel Ward. This team is serious this year. Uh, I love the Browns this year. I think the Browns are going to be scary. They are going to surprise a lot of people. Watson had a bad year. Not arguing he's a good person. I doubt he is, but he's a good quarterback. And what we saw with the with the Texans, I feel like he has to build on that, right? He's got a really good supporting cast. You know, one of he's got he had uh DeAndre Hopkins for a while, but Amari Cooper is up there in that upper echelon of wide receivers. He's a fantastic receiver. Elijah Moore coming over from the Jets, great addition, buried on the Jets, never really got off the ground. Who knows what he's going to be? David Njoku's been there a while. He's a very solid tight end. Good old line. Nick Chubb is going to be the fantasy 101 next year. I'm calling it now. Nick Chubb, without Kareem Hunt breathing down his neck, is going to be the best running back in all of football this year. I think the Browns could win this division. It's going to be tough. Week one against the Bengals is going to mean a lot. I think if the Browns are able to steal that one, if Burrow's not there, that could be a really big part to the tiebreaker. The Browns are going to be for real, and the Browns are going to be scary. Yeah, I bought into the Browns hype a couple years ago. Uh, They got that wild card spot, went into Pittsburgh and won, almost beat Kansas City in the divisional round, and I bought in the next year and didn't work out. And you know what? I'm not going to do it again. I... I'm hearing what you guys are saying. I'm just not as high on the Browns this year as you guys are. At the end of the day, they're still the Browns. And at the end of the day, I think they're still going to be in last place in this division. I have this division finishing the same way. Bengals at the top. Ravens a step or two behind them. Steelers somewhere in that middle ground. Maybe they get the seventh seed. Maybe not. And then the Browns a step or two behind them. That's how I got it. Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Browns. How do you guys have it? I've got it. Bengals, Browns. Ravens, Steelers, I think that the Steelers are the only team in the division that does not make the playoffs, though. Yeah, so I have it. Bengals, Ravens, Browns, Steelers. I, at the top, I have Cincinnati with 11 wins, and at the bottom, I have Pittsburgh with nine. It's going to be a real tight division. I only have the Bengals and Ravens getting in, the Browns just missing out for me, but I wouldn't be shocked if one game went another way and the Browns made it to the AFC Championship. Yeah, I'm going Browns, Bengals, Ravens, Steelers. I'm really buying in. I think the Browns and Bengals do end up tied at the top. And that's at 11 wins with the Steelers at, uh, honestly, I think they might go down to seven wins. So, like, the Steelers struggle at the bottom, but three they're sending three teams, I think. And honestly, if I'm previewing another division, I think the Chargers might be the ones that are look on the outside looking in because of it. All right, well, we all got the Browns in a different place in this division but we're all going to be in the same place next time we're going to talk the nfc south next time here on the outsider sports football podcast so be sure to join us then check us out on youtube 
uh, Spotify, follow us on Twitter or X or whatever you're calling it these days at Outsider Sports 3. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. <laughs>